0: to preach this morning. Uh, I guess it's a part two from my last sermon uh, before Pastor Brad and Pastor Jacob filled in for me for vacation. And uh, didn't they both do just a wonderful job the last couple of weeks? So let's give them a good hand. <clears throat> wonderful job, wonderful word. I thought, man, I'm going to have to work hard this week and get ready. Uh, they set the bar pretty high, you know, and when folks start saying to them, hey, you know, we might just put you in there. I said, whoa, wait a minute, you know, it was kind of like when uh, I was in Columbia and one of my good friends sent me a text and uh, talked about the speaker that morning. Well, my wife had spoken and said, "Just want you to know, there's a little bit of talk going on about, uh, uh, you know, somebody that did such a good job this morning." Now, my friend, my good friend, sent me that text. He's he's here this morning. I won't mention Jeff's name uh, on that, but uh, <laughs> sent me that text. <laughs> But I want to continue on in our Back to Basics sermon series today. And uh, I believe we'll have one more sermon next week on on this series. And uh, then I uh, believe the Lord's leading me into another series starting two weeks from now out of the book of Daniel. And uh, if you want to get a jump start on that, you can start reading. I hope that you will start reading the book of Daniel. And what I'm finding in studying and reading about the book of Daniel is there are so many things in there, past and present and future. And it has really just spoke to my heart, and I hope that I can bring it forth to you uh, in that sermon series in a couple of weeks, get it kicked off about the past, the present, and the future and some things we see from the life of Daniel and from the prophecies of Daniel. So if you want to get a jump start, go ahead and start reading uh, the book of Daniel, please. But today, come as you are. Come as you are. And I ask us this question, where are you? Where are you this morning? Where is God today? Where is God in my life? Where is God in your life? How is our relationship with God? How does God work in this world? How does God work in our lives? How does he work in the world around us? I see in the book of Hosea a very odd Book, a very odd ministry uh, of this man Hosea and in his life and what God tells him to do. We're going to see in just a few moments some very odd things. Um, have you ever been around someone who's odd? Maybe look at your neighbor and say, You're a little odd, this boy. Is your neighbor? <laughs> but the life and the ministry of this man Hosea, God caused him to literally live out. A message that was both heartbreaking and hopeful. He lived out a message that was both heartbreaking and hopeful. And I feel like today when we look at what God is doing in the world and what God desires to do in the world, and we see people who are receptive to God, but we also see people who are rejecting God, there is a vein of hopefulness among humanity. But there is also great heartache and heartbreak towards humanity. There's a great paradox. And as I read this book of Hosea, and as I prepared to try to preach to you this morning, there's such a balance in that book. There were times when I was reading that book and I would see such grace, such mercy of God. But then there were times when I was reading that book, I saw such judgment from God. So many times with the judgment that I would read and read and I thought, oh my goodness, enough, enough. Oh man. But there's mercy and there's judgment. And I think, which one is it? And it's both. It's a paradox. It's a balance of both. Today's sermon perfectly segues with what Pastor Jacob preached to us last week about grace and truth. And I believe that that is where we are today, what Hosea is showing us this morning, what Pastor Jacob preached to us last week about grace and truth. We are there in our society today. Now more than ever, people around us need to experience the grace of God. But now more than ever, they also need to hear the truth about God. And so today we see an illustration of both conviction And mercy. We see an illustration of both God's judgment, but God's great desire for restoration of every person. You see, in ourselves, in reference to ourselves, we must all deal with these issues as individuals. We must all deal with this issue of sin versus righteousness. In our own lives. And what is going to win out in our own life. Sin or the righteousness of God. You you and I must also deal with our heart set. You know you hear of a mindset. A heart set. What our motives are. Are we going to have fidelity. In our relationship with God. Or infidelity. A steadfastness of heart or an unfaithfulness of heart. And there was a term that I kept stumbling across as I was studying and preparing for this message, and it's a very strong term. It was called spiritual adultery. And that's a heavy term, heavy term. Adultery is a heavy thing, isn't it? Spiritual adultery is also a heavy thing. And spiritual adultery speaks to having a heart that has strayed away from our first love. You see, long before we ever exhibit actions or attitudes that are sinful, that are contrary to God, long before those things manifest themselves in our lives, our heart changes. Our heart drifts away from God. Our heart doesn't have the fidelity towards God like it one time had And so God sent a man named Hosea to demonstrate all of this, to demonstrate how men and women can commit spiritual adultery towards God and and move away from God, but to also at the same time demonstrate how God is still married to us and is in covenant with us and wants so desperately to restore us from our sin and shame. So he had this prophet Hosea essentially do this, sit down and stand up. Sit down and stand up. Now, I would do that with you this morning. I'd say, let's stand up, let's sit down. But you would say, it's up and down like a jack-in-the-box, right? You don't want to stand and sit and stand and sit. Sometimes we do that in church, don't we? Stand for this, sit, stand, sit. But he had Hosea to sit down, but to also stand up. And in our lives, in our culture right now, I believe more than ever, we need to sit down, what do I mean by that, in relationship with others and get to know them and know them on their first name and care for them and love them. But at the same time as we're sitting down, we need to be standing up for the truth. Amen? And it all works together, that grace and that truth. So God had Hosea, a prophet. Marry a woman who would prove to be unfaithful to him. Very unusual, very, I used that word earlier, odd, very odd thing. He said to Hosea, basically, marry a woman and she's going to commit adultery against you. Now, I've wondered about that very much. A holy prophet, a man righteous, living for God, who's told to do such a thing. I believe that when he married, now this is just my opinion, but I believe when he first married her that she had not necessarily been doing those things, but God was telling him she's going to do that. And sometimes I've wondered, the human part of me has wondered, how long did it take her before she became unfaithful to Hosea? Did a few years pass and maybe Hosea thought, oh, Maybe God will relent on this. Maybe just maybe her heart will stay true to me. Maybe I'll not have to go through what God says I'm going to have to go through with. But eventually, she was a woman of promiscuity, a woman of adultery. And God told Hosea to marry her. Let's read about it, Hosea 1, 2. When the Lord first spoke to Hosea, he said this to him. Go and marry a promiscuous wife and have children of promiscuity. So he's basically saying, not only do I want you to marry this woman who is going to cheat on you over and over and over again, but I want you to go ahead and have children with her too. How many knows once you marry someone and then you have children with them, your lives are are mingled together in a very intimate way and God's telling him a very hard thing to go into. He said, for the land is committing blatant acts of promiscuity. Now, that was the land of Israel and Judah during that time, but boy, that could describe our society and culture right now, couldn't it? Amen. We could look around right now and say, wow, this world around us, our society seemingly more and more and more are committing not just acts of promiscuity, not just sin, not just wrong, but blatantly just flaunting it and being proud of it. He said they're committing blatant acts of promiscuity by abandoning the Lord. And so he has Hosea marry this woman who's going to commit these blatant things against him in order for God to show the pain of the sin and the wrongness of the sin but to also for God to show his great mercy and commitment to Israel but it's also a picture to you and I that God stands committed to this world around us so much so that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us do you believe that Say Amen. he sent his son Jesus to die for this whole world This world that has seemingly shaken their hand and their fist in his face, he has sent his son. And if they would receive him, they could find that great mercy and grace that Hosea was modeling here in this book. You see, God's posture towards us is one of grace and mercy and extension. He wants us to come back to him. But yet if we don't come back to him, there is a judgment and a wrath that is poured out from God, And we see that balancing within this book of Hosea. In our society today, we hear God is love, God is love, God is love. God would accept anything. Jesus will accept anything. But no, God is love, but God is a God of holiness and righteousness. And his wrath of judgment must be satisfied through his son, Jesus Christ. And so, the message to this world today is repent and call upon the name of Jesus Christ so that the wrath of God, the judgment of God won't come upon you and receive his tender mercy and grace. Amen. Amen. We need to sit down and in a relationship with God and we need to stand up for the truth of God's word. The Hebrew word for mercy describes loyalty and devotion. And God has great loyalty and devotion to us. As he was telling Hosea to have loyalty and devotion to this woman who will turn on you, who will forsake you, even leave you, and be gone away from you. You see, why does God wanna give us mercy? It's because sin is never the best choice for our lives. Does it feel like sin is glamorized in this world today? Yes, it is. Do you see on the, it started subtly, subtly, 20, 30, 40 years ago with television. Now I'm a Church of God preacher, and 40 or 50 years ago, Church of God preachers preached against the television. They might have seen some things we didn't realize back in the day, huh? Yes, they preached against it, and 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 we might think all oh, those old fogies. But look where things have progressed now, and sin is glamorized not just through the television, not through just movies, but through our very phones, right up in our face. And this world, this society, American culture has been desensitized to sin. I can remember a time when just one little, this was in the 80s probably, I was a kid or maybe early 90s, and just one little commercial was just a little bit edgy and it caused a little bit of an uproar. That today would be nothing compared to what? You see, we've been desensitized to sin. Sin has been glamorized. Lifestyles that are sinful have been glamorized and made to look good but can I tell us there's no glamour in sin? Can I tell us this morning, please hear me from the youngest to the oldest, sin always destroys. And if I am looking at someone and I am interacting with someone and they are in a sinful lifestyle, I am not helping them by condoning a sinful lifestyle. I am, Amen, go ahead. I am not helping them by accepting sin in their lives because that sin is destroying them slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. But God remains faithful. God wants to restore. God wants to redeem. He wants to be on a first name basis with us. He wants to have relationship with us. He wants to be intimate with us. It's one thing for me to know you as Mr. This or Mrs. So-and-so, but when I know you on a first-name basis, on a first-name level. And within the book of Hosea, we see some plays on words, not just with Hosea marrying the harlot, but also with what Hosea was told to name his children. God used that even as a story of of all of this to show his point, you see. Go, uh, you see, Hosea's wife was named Gomer. Anybody remember Gomer that worked down at the garage in Mayberry? Gomer. <laughs> I read. I read about these names that he had to name his children, and I thought, man, wasn't it bad enough the guy had to marry a harlot? Then his wife's name was Gomer of all people. Well, I'll be. You know. So bad enough to be married to a harlot, bad enough that her name is Gomer. Then he had to name his children these awful names that represented the judgment of God that was getting ready to come. So one of the names that he had to name his first son was Jezreel, which Jezreel is a place. But what God was saying there was my judgment and bloodshed is getting ready to come on the household of Jezreel and on the kingdom of Israel. What an awful thing to have to name your son something like that. Then he had to name his daughter lo Ruhama, and that Lo means no. Ruhama means compassion, so he named his daughter No-Compassion. Now, I don't know who the young man was that married his daughter, but how would you like to marry somebody who had No-Compassion? So he had the name Jezreel, which was showing bloodshed, is coming to Israel in the house of Judah. And, and then Lo-Rehomah, who has no compassion. And then he had a son named Lo-Amni. And that meant for you are not my people. And I will not be your God. Wow. Do You see the paradox here of the mercy of God but the judgment of God and, and for those that continue to rebel against God, judgment and wrath is coming, does come, but intermingled all the way is the mercy and grace of God. Because what I see later on in the book of Hosea, I see that the prefix on these two names, lo, meaning no, is taken away. So the low ruhamah which means no longer having compassion eventually Hosea drops the low and just calls her ruhamah meaning compassion Do you see? Does that preach this morning? Do you see what I'm saying? God would much rather drop the low, the no compassion, the no, I'm not your God. He wants to drop that and say, I do have compassion. I am your God. And the good news today is we can declare the truth and the righteous standard of God and we can say, repent. But when people repent, God restores. That's the good news of the gospel this morning. God would rather show us his mercy than to extend his judgment why do you think he put all of this on poor Hosea? Why did you why did he make him live out an illustration of all of this infidelity and name his children these things and all the heartbreak Hosea had to endure it was so he could show you and I how he wants to be married to us, how he has unconditional love and mercy to us and even though even though every single one of us are headed to a devil's hell Without his son, his mercy is extended to us and whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise God this morning. So that leads me to my desire to care. My desire to care. This name change that I'm talking about. When he dropped the prefixes and it went from no compassion to compassion. When it went from, you're not my son, you're not my child, I'm not your God, to I am your God. It reflects our God as a loving father. It reflects our God as a loving husband, as is exhibited by Hosea. Do you know there came a time in this narrative where Gomer, Hosea's unfaithful wife had totally left him and gone and played the harlot and with who knows who and where knows where and and God says, you go and you find her and you bring her back to you. Bring her back to your marriage. Bring her back to your marriage bed. Bring her back to your house. You go and find her. Jesus talked about it much softer than this in the the New Testament when he talked about the hundred sheep in the fold and one had left and he left them to go find that lost sheep. It's all over the narrative of the Bible, this God of great mercy who comes looking for us, who wants to restore us, and we have never gone too far from God's grace. And Hosea becomes a picture of God who is relentlessly searching for us even in our sin, even in our disgusting sin. He is ever looking for us and searching for us and trying to find us and bring us back. And he said, Hosea, I know she's committed adultery to you. I know she's been unfaithful time and time again. And I know she's who knows where with who knows where and where knows well. You go and find her. The Bible said Hosea went back, and not only did he have to go find her, but he had to actually purchase her back. Now, I don't know for sure if that was because she had been sold into slavery or pulled into maybe the sex slave trafficking or or if it was just because whoever she was with was saying, I'm not giving her up unless you pay me. We don't know exactly, but we know that Hosea had to not just find her, but he had to pay to bring her back. And I think about the Lord Jesus Christ. I think about a God in heaven who looks at his son. At some point in the the eons of time and says, son, I want you to go into the world and find lost humanity. What does it say? The son of man came to seek and to save those who were lost. I think of a savior who came onto this world to seek and to save those who were lost. And he too had to buy you and I back. He did not purchase us with the blood of animals or goats. He did not purchase us with money. He purchased us with his own life Amen. on the cross. Yes. On the cross, he signed my pardon, paid the debt and made me free. No wonder the writer says, "So I will cherish the old rugged cross." Jesus bought us back. Jesus paid the sin debt up on the cross when He died for you and for me. And that's the message the world needs to hear today more than ever. Jesus paid it all—all all to Him. I hope. Amen. So, what's our responses this morning? What's what's our response this morning? One is this, I say to you with all love and all all concern, receive his mercy immediately. Is that all right this morning? Receive his mercy immediately. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, receive his mercy immediately. If you know him as your Lord and Savior, but you find that there are things in your life that you need his mercy, you need a fresh forgiveness, you need some things to change, you need to come closer in intimacy with him, receive his mercy immediately. Is that all right this morning? And then the second response to this message is after we've received his mercy, let's extend his mercy. Is that all right this morning? There is a world around us that needs to see his mercy permeating through our lives. There is a world around us that needs to see us take on a godly posture. What is that godly posture? A godly posture that does not compromise the righteousness of God, that does not compromise the gospel message, does not compromise the scriptures, but a godly posture that also extends and shows the mercy and love of God that wants to help that person become his you see we need to receive mercy we need to extend mercy hosea 11:8 hosea 11:8 this is god speaking through hosea it's a quote from god and he says How can I give up Ephraim? Now he's naming areas. He's naming areas here. But it's representative of all the people in that area. How can I give you up? I could look at any of my children. And I could say how could I give you up? How could I give you up? Emily's in the back back there. And one day in 30 or 40 years. She may get married, and I'll have to, they say, who gives this woman to be married? The mother and I. Well, I don't want to give her up. I'm saying no. no. If they ask me to do the ceremony, that would be even better. It will be a very brief ceremony. i say no. But think about the love of a parent to a child, and that's the love of God. And God is saying here, how can I give you up? On your lowest day, friend, on the day that you're about to give up on yourself, don't ever forget God says, how can I give you up? Isn't that beautiful? He says, how can I surrender you, Israel? You see, he's gone through all this ranting, so to speak, of judgment that's coming that he's going to pour out. But then he has a change of heart and and his fatherly instincts kick in and he said, oh, I want to give you mercy. And I believe he looks upon this sinful world in which we live and he looks upon even our country today and his wrath is being poured out and judgment is being poured out. But oh, how he longs to send his mercy. How can I surrender you, Israel? Then he says, how can I make you like Adma and how can I treat you like Zeboim? Those were two areas that were right beside of Sodom and Gomorrah. We always remember Sodom and Gomorrah, but these two areas were right there with them. And what did he do? He had to destroy all of those with fire and brimstone. How can I make you like Abna? How can I treat you like Zeboim? He's saying, oh, I don't want to have to discipline you. Oh, I don't want to destroy you. Yes, I destroyed them. Yes, I destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, my compassion is stirred up. I don't want to destroy you. I have had a change of heart. My compassion is stirred. You know what I say this morning? To the Nortonfield Church of God and to our families, our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, the friends of this church, I say, Oh God, one more time, stir your compassion towards us. Oh God, one more time, the children that are represented even in this gathering this morning stir your compassion towards them one more time don't surrender them please don't pour your judgment out upon them just yet but give them grace and give them mercy as a loving father i don't want to give them up do you want to give them up i don't want to surrender them do you want to surrender them I'm praying, you are praying, our prayer group is praying, our prayer partners are praying for God to restore every child and grandchild and great-grandchild of this church. We're praying for that. We're not going to surrender them. We're not going to give them up. And we're praying in those prayers. That means the, from the youngest to the oldest and from near and far whether they ever come to this church or where they live across the world, God, please don't give them up. Stir your compassion towards them one more time. And I thank God that he doesn't give up. I thank God he didn't give up on me. Is there anybody in the house this morning that says, I thank you, God, that you did not give up on me. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your faithfulness. I thank you that great is your faithfulness. I'm thankful that your mercy It's new every morning, every single morning. Here's my closing verse. Hosea 6, 1 through 3. Come, everybody say come. Come, let us return to the Lord. For he has torn us and he will heal us. Oh yeah, judgment might come in our lives sometimes, correction might come in our lives sometimes. That tearing he has torn us, but oh how he wants to heal us. Have you ever had to give a consequence to a child? Put them in the corner for time out or take something away from them or or whatever it might be. And maybe they have the little snubs. But you take them up in your arms, right? <laughs> I'm seeing a few no's. <laughs> you take them up in your arms after you have given them that consequence and you love, hold them, right? You see, correction is a thing of love. Correction by God is a thing of love. And yes, he may have to discipline us sometimes, but oh, how he wants to heal us. He said, he has wounded us, but he will bind up our wounds. Isn't that a precious thought this morning? Come, let us return to the Lord. Would you stand with me today? Would you just bow your head with me right now and just maybe just pray this prayer to the Lord. Lord, I come. Lord, I come. Here I am this morning. And Lord, we're we're praying for others to come. We're praying for our children and families to come. But but right now in this moment, just, just before the Lord, would you say, Lord, I'm returning to you. Here I am. Lord, I come. I come. I need your healing. I have some wounds in my life that I need you to bind up. I'm coming home. The songwriter said, I have wandered far away from God, but now I'm coming home. Another songwriter wrote, great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, my Father, there's no shadow of turning with thee. Would you pray with me this morning? God, here we are this morning. Here we are standing before you, just as we are with no no pretense, no... um, ability in ourselves, no, no pomp and circumstance. But Lord, here we, here we are this morning. And Lord, we come to you. We come to you. And Lord, I ask you that you would help each one of us to move closer in our relationship to you. God, to experience your mercy and grace, I pray this morning that, Lord, if there is sin in any of our lives, that we would confess our sin knowing that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. God, if there are attitudes in our hearts and our minds that shouldn't be there, God, we ask you to heal those and, and to give us grace and give us a better perspective. God, if there is unforgiveness in our hearts towards someone, God, help us today by your grace to forgive move on, God, I pray this morning, Lord, that we would come to you just as we are. We would move closer in our relationship with you, closer in our intimacy with you. And Lord, that we would rejoice in the great mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has saved us and who helps us to live for you. And now, Lord, we pray for those around us. We pray for the children and the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren of this church those who are near and those who are far, those who are old and those who are young, we pray, Lord, for them, that your compassion one more time would be stirred up towards them, that the Holy Spirit would draw them to relationship with you, and that not one of them would leave this world unprepared to meet you. God, give us your grace and give us your truth to live with with no compromise And full of compassion in this world that is around us. And let your word take a hold in our hearts and our lives this morning. Let your Holy Spirit confirm the word. In every heart and every life. In Jesus name. Jesus name. This altar is open this morning. If you want to come and pray. If you need special prayer. If you want to come and accept the Lord as your personal Savior. This altar is open for you. But let's continue praying and worshiping as they sing this morning.